Dan and Corey here, welcoming you into Libservative. All right, welcome in. Dan Griffin, Corey Walsh is here with me as well. On today's episode, Hello. we speak with Eric Slomkowski who started Trump HQ as a regional director in our great state of Michigan in the city of Utica back in 2016. He also uh, he got his political start with the Ron Paul campaign during his presidential run. He also worked on the Rick Snyder campaign here in the great state of Michigan, also a Dogecoin aficionado. Uh, we didn't have Eric on because he's someone with a, a PhD in psychology specializing in human behavior or any of that kind of stuff. This isn't so much an informational episode. We had him on because of what our conversation represents to this season's topic of the uh, understanding the uh, social and digital civil war in America and whether or not it's even real. He's an everyday guy with values that may differ from us, that may be similar to ours. Uh, he's a guy that uh, Corey and I may have gotten into meaningless Facebook spats with at some point in time. Um, he's a guy that is a thinker. And when I say a thinker, I, I don't mean he's Socrates. I'm just saying he thinks for himself, which I think is a big issue when it comes to this topic and the way we engage in discourse on social media. Um, he's a guy that refused to be uh, what I have dubbed marionetted by rhetoric because he fell into too deep of a hole in a, in a silo of, of like-minded thinking. Corey, uh, I think I pretty much gathered why we had Eric on the show here today. Yeah, yeah, Eric, uh, it's the reason why I even um, suggested Eric in the first place is because like the way me and him in our friendship started was uh over social media discourse me and him both like i got into politics and started paying attention around 2016 he was obviously already involved in it he was a uh a veteran at that point and me and him i don't want to say collided because of for example today the way this blossomed into something like an actual real conversation that we had on the podcast but uh with two different people with two completely different views coming together and having real conversations and so the reason why i feel like it was important to have this conversation with him in real time was to kind of solidify where me and you are sort of leaning how me and you think that this social media war is a facade because if it really was as combative as we everyone kind of perceives it is that if we let our guard down let other people's opinions inform us if we can actually actually like you know, fact check what they're saying and things like that, that there's growth and that it will lead to a, a, a better America. And we discuss a lot of this with Eric and we discuss how me and him came from opposite ends and how both of us kind of intermingled and uh, met in the middle. And then we find out as, as we have this conversation that we agree on a lot more than you would suggest. Like if I told you before this conversation, Dan, that this Trump supporter from 2016, he worked on his campaign, that you guys were going to have a pleasant conversation and agree on a lot of things, what would you say to me? Well, if, maybe, I guess, maybe not now, but even, yeah, no, yeah, what would you say to me? If you had, if you had said that to me in 2016, if you had called me up and said, Dan, in uh, five years, we're going to have a discussion 
with a guy who's running basically the entire who east, won our county yeah east, for east Trump. basically the entire east michigan chapter of the trump campaign we're going to have we're going to sit down and we're going to have a discussion on a podcast and it's going to be really pleasant i would have I would have laughed so hard, I, I, my balls would have popped out of my sack. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's no way I would have, I would have thought that that was even possible. But the thing is, you and I are now in a situation where we're just, we're tired of, 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 of being in these silos of thinking. Um, and I, I think there are a lot of people out there, which is why we're doing this. One of the reasons why we're doing this podcast. That are they're still stuck in those silos, but they're kind of quietly questioning it. They're quietly questioning why am I still engaging in this discourse where I just keep getting my opinions confirmed by other people that I know. I, I think I have enough faith in human beings that they still they're still curious. And what you see on social media and discourse on social media is this this complete lack of curiosity. It's all about just talking to your friends that already agree with you. And if you talk to people that disagree with you, it's it lasts for two seconds because you call them a racist or you call them a socialist or whatever the buzzword of the day might be. And, and the, the discussion's over. I think there are, what we're trying to prove with this podcast is that there are a lot of people like you and I out there that want to have those discussions with people that we disagree with. And in the case of you and Eric, over time, now this this discourse that you had with him happened over time, you can actually become friends. And it, it but yeah. it has to start somewhere. It's it, it's it's there's a paper trail that's four years long. Yeah. <laughs> of us and it's uh and yeah, like when we talk more about the uh, social media awards, I, I think a lot of people are starting to just get tired of dealing in absolutes. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. You back yourself into corners over things that <laughs> a lot of times like it's it's trivial matters, things that don't even involve you personally. And even the things that aren't trivial involve nuance. It's not like it's not binary. It's not one or zero. It's not black or white. You know, whatever you want to talk about, whether it's, you know, whether whether it's the border crisis. I mean, crisis is a subjective word there. You know, whether it's China, whether it's, uh, you know, abortion. We talked about that in the last episode. It, there's so it, it's not just this or that. And we, we've we've framed social media discourse to the point where it is I'm the smartest person in the room you're an idiot I don't need to deal with you anymore and I think people are starting to realize that that's what's going on like there can't be this many stupid people in America they're still out there I still live by the 1080 10 theory we still have that 10 and 10 that are dominating a a, a, a major part of the political discourse. For those who are just tuning in for the first time, my 108010 theory is that it's not mine. Many people, many people talk about something similar to this. 10% of people are crazy on the left, 10% of people are crazy on the right, and 80 and the rest of the 80% of people are in the middle. But guess what? They got lives to live. They don't and have we're time. We're all quiet because we don't want to get attacked by the 10 on the left or the 10 on the right. Because you know how someone's that one of those 10% on the left or the right? Don't worry, they'll tell you. It's like a vegan. 
Yeah, I almost feel like we should <laughs> rename. You know I almost, we, I almost feel like we should rename this show the Ten Eighty Ten Podcast. Or uh, what was the other? What's the other name that I came up with the other day? I said, uh, uh, "Oh yeah, Intellectual Idiots." <laughs> the Intellectual Idiots, the II Party. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think uh, this this episode. I think is the perfect entombment of exactly what we're trying to convey with this podcast. It's the conversations of people from all sorts of different standpoints, political ideologies, getting together and having real conversations that barroom tavern conversations that our founding fathers had that made this country what it is today. All right, welcoming in Eric Slumkovsky, take number two. Uh, <laughs> we we recorded, we're such amateurs, we recorded about 13 minutes of a show and then realized uh, Corey was nowhere to be heard. So uh, here we are again. Uh, I'm Eric, here now. Happy, yeah, he's here now. Eric, happy to have you aboard. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So the first thing that people are going to want to know about, uh, based on the topic at hand, which is understanding uh, America's social and digital civil war, because we have given your background in the intro, is that why were you such a heavy Trump supporter back in 2016? Well, in 2016, I was worried about American liberties uh, being lost uh, with uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, I was really unsupportive of her and the way that she had acted during uh, Benghazi at the time. And I couldn't, there was no other candidate that was out there other than Gary Johnson, I guess, at the time, uh, supporting the Second Amendment and trying to promote capitalism. So those are legitimate concerns, legitimate values. You know, you're worried about liberties. I think a lot of Americans out there are. Uh, Even just this past year, you know, you you could say that – you know, some of those 72 million Donald Trump voters, even in 2020, uh, had those concerns. So you, you can't just brush that aside. Um, and all valid concerns. But in 2016, applying it to this social and digital civil war, or at least perceived, because we're trying to honestly, Corey and I are just trying to debunk it <laughs> at this point. Uh, if somebody, if you had gotten in an argument or even just a discussion uh, on Facebook or any sort of social media and that person across from you was, we'll say, a liberal, and you had made it known that you voted for Donald Trump, or not. You didn't even. You wouldn't even have to say that you like set up an HQ for Donald Trump, just that you voted for him. And they call you a sexist, a racist, a disgusting human being. How would you have responded to that in 2016 versus today? Uh, I'd rather be all of those things than a communist like you or a socialist. Uh, That's what you would have said then. Yeah, no, he's saying it now. No, no, then I'd say, okay, well, you're a liberal, you're a socialist, you're a communist. We just come back with with nonsensical uh, retorts. There was no real communication there. It was just like, hey, you have one thought process. I have a different one. We disagree. Let's let's not communicate well together. Something like that is always taking place. Figure out a better way to communicate communicate today. Um, and then, why did you ultimately decide to leave? Uh, I wouldn't even say leave, but uh, disassociate yourself 
from Donald Trump. Um, I want to say you did that sometime in 2017 or 2018. Yeah, well, it was around, well, it was 2017. Basically, when he banned the bump stocks, that was uh, the, my first eye opening, like saying, hey, there's something wrong here. Uh, when you ban something that Americans want, you just create a black market. It only serves the prison system, it serves uh, no one. After promoting the Second Amendment for such a you know, long time during his campaign, um, you know, it was like, hey, so this is okay. You can ban an accessory. Then the next thing was when he supported HR uh, 838, which was uh, the red flag gun laws. Um, the idea, I mean, it's, it sounds nice to try to disarm people who are crazy that are going to use them in a in a in a violent manner, unpredictably. But how are you going to really discern them? I mean, how are you going to be considered? Are, well, am I considered mentally ill because I disagree with you? Am I considered mentally ill because of, say, hey, like five years ago, I got into an argument and, you know, the police got involved or something like that? It could be a thousand different things. So at that point in time, when when Trump supported that live on television, I was like, OK, well, that's it. I can't support him anymore. It was I was over with uh, banned bump stocks, supported uh, the red flag laws. And then I could see all his, of his meglo meglio. What's, what's the word? Megalomania. Yeah. Megalomania for that matter, um, because like it was like he was being president to serve his agenda of things he wanted to accomplish in his life instead of serving the American people. And so I couldn't support him anymore. I went for Joe Jorgensen. Just out of curiosity, if you had, if you spoke to, I'm I'm actually, I'm I'm curious of your opinion. If you spoke to um, somebody who was, was pretty liberal today, maybe on the uh, argumentative side of liberal, because Corey and I have often talked about, my theory is the 1080-10 rule. I have a 10, I have the 1080-10 theory. I think 10% of Americans are fucking nuts on the left and 10% of Americans are fucking nuts on the right. And the rest of the 80% is somewhere in the middle, uh, you know, leans left, leans right. But if you talk to somebody on the more left side of that spectrum today and you told them that you once supported Donald Trump but don't anymore, I'm curious what you think your reaction would be. Or maybe you've already had those conversations. I've had some, um, like sometimes depending on my mood, I could say to a liberal person, "Why well, don't well, I don't support Trump anymore?" Well, why not? Because well, he was the most liberal Republican president America has ever had, and I don't support liberalism. You know, if I want to be ridiculous like that, <laughs> <laughs> wanna, that would start a fight. fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so or but if I. If not, it's like I don't support him because I saw through his lies. I saw through um, how he was trying to serve himself and, and not others. And it doesn't mean I support Hillary Clinton. You know, it doesn't mean I support. I mean, I support Joe Biden now because he's my president. And regardless of how many times he messes up a sentence or falls downstairs, you know, he's <laughs> going to need to be picked up. And he's going to need, you know, somebody to, to get that prompter going because he's representing our country. And if he messes up, we look like jokes, just like when Trump messed up. We look like jokes and we have, you know, enemies and they could use that against us. See, that's a huge thing to say. The huge thing to say that the the fact that you simply just said, I support Joe Biden because he's my president. Right. That is one of the and I and I am. uh, I don't know if Corey's told you, I, I am a more left leaning person. I wouldn't consider myself all the way to the woke side. I've got, uh, I think I have some common sense, 
But one of the things that I was so upset with with people on the left in 2016 was the whole not my president thing. It, it was the whole um, I actually loved what Dave Chappelle said in his uh, his monologue on SNL right after Trump was was elected. I don't know if you remember what he said, but he said, let's give him a chance. And Dave Chappelle said recently on Joe Rogan's podcast that he doesn't regret saying that because at the time, Donald Trump was duly elected. He didn't think it was, you know, Russian collusion or, or any of that stuff. And neither did I. Not to say that Russian collusion didn't exist at all, but just like with 2020, was it enough to change the election? Probably not. And so the fact that you're able to say that alone, as far as Joe Biden's my president, so I support him, is something that is surprisingly just not said enough, regardless of who the president is. Well, yeah, I guess I, I saw a lot of that. I see a lot of stuff on social media now, uh, just trying to make uh, Biden look like an idiot, uh, trying to just blatantly lie about certain facts about his life and in order to create propaganda to make our president look bad. And, you know, it's one thing if you attack his policies is another thing you attack his family. I mean, you go people will be going for his son because of his addiction problems. And one aspect you can look at the president is, hey, this guy understands what America is going through when it comes to the drug problem because his son has it. So, you know, maybe he knows what he can do about it that he can help in his position, you know, and then he'll be shot down by by some drug war uh, loving uh, idiot out there that wants to lock up Americans and have police uh, kill each other. I mean, it's it's just it's so aggravating the divisiveness that you see in social media for for no good reason other than i guess shock value it's like a bunch of marilyn mansons but you know in ad form for politics yeah a bunch of a bunch of gotchas you know like uh we recommended this book in the first take and i'll recommend it again (laughs) Uh, (laughs) matt taibbi uh hey inc me and dan here just finished he read the book i believe a while ago but I literally just finished it, I think, like Friday. And I've just been telling everyone about it. You know, this book is great. It's a uh, it's a book that talks about how the media is designed uh, based on just an ad revenue service to just keep everyone device, like divi- uh, divided and like keep everyone glued and just hating each other. Everything's an emergency. Right. Uh, and the thing I bring up a lot in the other episodes is uh, like America – because of like the media set up like that and then you add socialism it's or not socialism social media sorry <laughs> same thing same <laughs> thing some people so- would say <laughs> dan's like where is he going with this <laughs> no, social media and uh you um it's like pouring gasoline out of fire cuz it is it's just uh everyone's just fighting caricatures you know right. like these shadows of each other to where it's not even real to where you're talking about Joe Biden with um the way people say things about him it's like we don't even have to support him but let's talk about the policies i can't even have a conversation with you if you're going to be just talking about this guy who's you think is diddling kids cuz he has creepy photos right. when he's getting too close with kids and that he's socialist and then uh when trust his the plan trust the plan that's all you <laughs> oh, hear the... it, it, oh it's my god insane. yeah yeah, see, I haven't. I I, uh, I love the Q stuff. I like looking at it, but uh, in the in the little encampments that I'm in, because I'm kind of all over the fence. That like, no one in my inner circle is, or like anyone that I identify with, like of a group is like re- affiliated with Q. 
Oh, good. Like, that's got to be frustrating. Lucky. Yeah, that's got to be frustrating. Because, because they, they all thought it was Trump. And so they're like, they're looking at, well, Q said this. I'm like, well, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> go knock some doors, make some phone calls. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is great. Great. Let's, uh, let's get those flyers out there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which you obviously did a good job because your section here won. Uh, it oh, went yeah, to turn straight red. Yeah, you did a great job. I had uh, Macomb County all the way up to Bannex, right at the thumb. So I yeah, mean, and it was a sea of red. Right at oh, that eight God. mile, it went red we, blue. We <laughs> couldn't even keep up with the sign demand. I mean, we had we were just in the end, we were just like a sign delivery company, but it was just for it was the Trump campaign. Just like, <laughs> all our resources went to signs going that's, everywhere. That's why this conversation is important because hearing you say that. Thinking back to 2016, Dan, I would have wanted to find you and murder you. Like I would have, I would have just wanted to find you and, and just take. Like, who's putting all these signs? Taking up? you straight no, off. I the had planet. the. I had a Bernie sign in my yard. <laughs> um, did you have anything else to add, Dan? Uh, no, I, I think we can uh, kind of get into how, how you and Eric got together. Yeah, and, and, how we got here today. Yeah, and why our little odyssey. Wh- why it kind of applies to the topic at hand, which is the social and uh, uh, digital civil war. Um, and, and kind of a, I guess you could call your guys' connection uh, a, a good little tidbit, a, a piece of hope in, uh, in, in the way we engage in discourse online. Yeah, anecdotal evidence of why the social media civil war it's is fake. overblown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, me and Dan, yeah, so Dan, uh, he meant, or not Dan, I'm sorry, Eric mentioned that he worked for Ron Paul in 2012. He, um... And then uh, for Trump in 2016. And so I started paying attention to politics in 2016 because it was a populist on the opposite spectrum of Trump. And, you know, and he was for the worker, he was for the people, and he was uh, anti-establishment, he was anti-mainstream media. And uh, I probably hopped on a, a lifelong friend's Facebook page who you're uh, related to. And I think me and you had a conversation, and it must have been pleasant because one of us added each other. And since then, me and you have been on this little odyssey of just navigating the social media. What was going to happen next? (laughs) Right. And yeah. And me and you would comment back and forth and like, it'd be things that like, we're like, we would kind of agree on something against someone else or me and you would just be adamantly against each other on something, but we always kept it civil. And there was the catalyst, I think was uh, where I think me and you kind of all of a sudden clicked on a lot more things and it really pulled me towards the I keep bumping my mic and really pulled me more towards uh like the a libertarian standpoint even is um like the uh the HRA three eight when Trump uh said uh uh he supported gun red flag laws. And to where I bought like I've even before this I was for like gun control. Um you know like oh well we should have mental health checks and this and that and um and like those are the kind of things i said and it was coming from a place of like i want to protect people i own guns i don't think anyone's coming for my guns and then all of a sudden trump said well red flag laws if we think someone doesn't deserve guns then we should just go and take them and then it took someone that i didn't like whatsoever to say it and i give you props because you actually it was someone that you like that said it because usually when it's people when it's someone they like, they kind of like, especially like you hear from a lot of people that support Trump. Well, he didn't mean that. Well, he didn't say that. Well, he didn't mean it like that. And for you to just go, no, that's wrong. And when I saw that, I think from you, 
is when I realized, and then on top of it, someone I didn't like saying it, it was like, well, who makes these laws? Who decides who uh, puts that stop gate in place? And then it's, it's a slippery slope. I mean, it could real fast turn into something that we don't need, like the Patriot Act, like the NSA. It's, it's not a crazy conspiracy idea because our government has failed us a lot of times in the past to where it's like, why should we give them the benefit of the doubt? Our founding fathers didn't. And so, <laughs> and so it's like, it was that, yeah, it was that red flag thing for us. I remember you posted this picture and I remember looking at this going, I'll be damned. You had a <laughs> the back of your car and it had your Trump bumper oh, sticker. Oh yeah, veterans for Trump. I remember that. And then the next picture was the car with that sticker. And like, it looked so poetic because it wasn't even cleanly ripped off it was just half ripped off where you couldn't even read it to where it made a statement if only if like, only tiktok were huge then oh my god <laughs> i started like and then it made, but then so it went into like my gun right uh my gun rights i don't even want to say gun control i want to say gun rights and like uh you start looking at it from a more libertarian point of view i started looking at things that like because like what made me liberal i guess the beginning was like social issues well Social issues for liberals and social issues for libertarians are very similar. Absolutely. Liberals try to law themselves into freedom. Libertarians go, why is the government involved in the first place? Absolutely. And then when I realized that, I think that's when I was like, oh, yes, the government should be involved in a lot less stuff. A lot less stuff. We don't need that. And then I remember I saw this one episode, this one uh, John Stossel video, and he was talking about a private parks bathroom versus a public parks bathroom and the price tag on each. And it was just like, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Like, <laughs> so like, so like, all of a sudden, like it happened like as fast as I went liberal for because I guess it was, and so I actually like to get, uh, I guess your view on the outside looking in, even when I'm done on my little mantra about or my monologue. Yeah, hurry about up. How. Yeah, how I went, swung left and swung right really fast and and then like kind of like ended like somewhere in the middle a little bit about my political views. And uh, like it's, I was finding my way, I guess, in my, what I was personally for my political views. And it took social media to make that happen, I guess, when I'm, I'm trying to wrap this up for you, Dan. <laughs> it took social media to make that happen. And so I guess, um, Okay, how you and I met, how we communicate. And so how do <laughs> the you Jeopardy, think? The Jeopardy theme is going off in my head right now. <laughs> what did you say? The Jeopardy theme is going off in my head. Right <laughs> yeah, now. I know. I'm sorry. And so... I love you. Yeah. So uh, coming back, rounding this up with the social media warfare and how, it, how me and Dan think it's overblown. I'm trying to... What I'm trying to paint the picture of is mine and yours interactions as anecdotal evidence of how it's overblown. And I want to get what you actually think about it. Do you uh, kind of agree with that? Cause me and you have a uh, pretty good conversations. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I, well, I, I agree that it's, it's overblown, but it's overblown in such a ridiculous way. Like you have such nonsense being posted that, I mean, you got, you got these people out there that are saying vaccines are going to kill you. And then you got some people out there saying you need to take a vaccine in order to be free. And you got all these 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 things against uh, Biden and Trump still. I mean, heck, I even saw a meme with it's Obama's fault still. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. But what's happening is it's like we're not communicating 
anymore with conversations. We're not trying to discuss the issues. We're just trying to find a cute little picture that represents how we feel about something that day or that issue that day and say, hey, let's represent this to the world. And so now we're all like labeling ourselves with memes and, you know, like I have a Facebook profile. I got to keep it, you know, somewhat sanitary because, you know, I got kids and they look at it. And so there's, there's certain aspects of it that's very personal but I, I allowed to to share it because you know it's a platform that's that's good for communicating pictures and communicating you know different different uh, all types of different medias. But like what we have when when it comes to these meme wars, I mean it's there's no real debates. I mean like have you this, the the debate the, you go to a high school debate now for a high school debate club? It's and you take it, you go rewind back 30 years uh, ago, and then you listen to those debates, and you listen to the structure of the arguments, and then you listen to how statistics are involved. It, now it's more about rhetoric and passion than it is about actual data about anything now. And and so it's like, um, I think we're just we're destroying ourselves from within by disagreeing with each other so much that we can't turn our brains on and try to talk out the issues. It's it's funny that you bring up the uh, the, the data because we we talked to uh, Dr. Dylan Selterman a, a couple weeks ago uh, in our in our first episode and he brought up a great point that I think we all knew but didn't really consider Corey I think you're going to remember what I'm talking about when it comes to data right and I'm just curious Eric's take on this because I know you've seen it we've all seen it but maybe we don't realize we've seen it smart people use data to push a narrative legitimate data they use legitimate truths and legitimate data to push a narrative. And I'm wondering your take on that because I like to get everybody's take on that because you, you see it, but you don't often think about it. Yeah. And so if you want an example real quick, like, so for example, uh, when people try to use, like, like we were talking about data, uh, when you hear people talk about like black people in the inner, inner city communities and they go, 90% of black people are killed by black people. And then you go, whoa, you know, and it makes it, it, it and it and when, Sounds it, when bad, people use it? it in a narrative, it makes it sound like black people are more violent, but then 80% of white people are killed by white people. Right. <laughs> so it's so like, you, oh, so yeah. You could drown in a pond that's an average of 12 inches deep, you know, and, yep. uh, you know in some areas it's eight feet in other areas it's one inch, but I get it. Um, yeah. Like we have these we cherry pick data no matter which side you're on mm -hmm. and so like you're on the right the left the libertarian side whatever you're gonna you're gonna pick the data that suits your argument so like you're saying uh you're gonna use that to, to push the narrative so the problem is is how do we trust the data now in the past we used to trust the data because it came from the newspapers it came from the television it came from our priests and their teachers and all those other things but now with the advent of social media and the internet and all the the problems that we've seen from our different executives and authority, um, how can we even trust them? So, like, I mean, you you have uh, Edward Snowden out in you know Russia, and he he's out there scared to death to be prosecuted by his own people in America for trying to tell you know the Americans, hey, you're being spied on, hey, you know the the government's doing these things to you, you don't even know it, and it's not that I support his decision to go with our enemies in and hang out with them but at the same time you can understand it so i guess what i'm getting at is you can push if you get the data 
you look at what what does it benefit the audience? So which audience are you trying to promote this narrative to? So you you're gonna have data and this narrative on the television going towards the Fox people. You're gonna have it going towards the CNN people, and that's where the divisiveness happens. You have different amounts of data. I mean, you have all data. I mean, you just pull together all the data and pick it from it anytime you want, but you have like this section of data and this section of data um, spooled out to be parroted out by each each of these political organizations. And then again, it's more divisiveness. And it, nothing really gets accomplished from it other than, you know, more taxes or, or more government failures. I mean, I... I you could tax us all taxes all 100% and i think the government would still fail even if it taxes 1% it doesn't matter because it i don't think the incentives there uh like in free markets you you want to do a good job because you want to keep doing it and get paid or you want to sell something because either there's a profit or you need something for something else but when the government does it well hey we get tax money let's do it the way that we have to in order to fulfill all these policies and regulations and then you end up having like this cinder block building with no windows that is to code that ends up you know not being very pleasant to work or live in so i mean and the, the the tax discussion is an interesting one because I don't care if you're conservative, liberal, or uh, libertarian, or or anything else. We can all agree, like we don't want to just give more money to the government. Like the the liberals' argument is always, well, uh, you know, our 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 taxes are going to to good places and good social programs. And on the surface, yes, that's that sounds true. The problem is. They're so poorly run that it doesn't make so like from a virtue perspective. Yeah, sure. It makes sense. I would be happy to pay more taxes if I knew exactly where that money was going, exactly what was getting accomplished and exactly whether or not it was effective. So when people when people get into Internet arguments, liberals, conservatives, libertarians about big government, small government, I say, fuck all that. How about just effective government? I don't care if it's big, right. small or somewhere in the middle. Just something effective would be great. Competent government. Yes. Oh my goodness. I could, I can't believe the idea. It's genius. I mean, I've never heard of the idea. Hot take, right? Has anyone ever thought of that before? <laughs> but that's the argument, though. It's always well, big government's better because of this, and small government's better because of this, and it's like, well, they've both failed us for different reasons. So, does yeah. anybody want to figure this out, or are we just going right. to three idiots Pure talking capitalism. on a podcast? Pure capitalism. Pure capitalism. Let us own people. And pure communism led to Stalin. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's not right. one or the well, other. It's a good well, mix. Well, now, now I keep saying, like, there's a, the whole crowd that's the taxation is theft. You know, oh, yeah. like, it can it, it can be considered theft if, like, you're getting taxed by something you don't want to support. But then it's like, well, what about the roads? And then now my retort to that is, is I don't want roads. <laughs> Let me drive an all-terrain all vehicle. Let me fly some of those uh, quadcopters around. You know, let's make a non-wheeled vehicle. Mad more Max popular. style. Like, yeah, Max. I mean, I don't, I don't care if I could, if I got to drive on grass or rocks or anything. I mean, if you want to create a road, you can create a road. But you know what? If I can drive my Mad Max vehicle around without like some government henchman coming, okay, to stop I can. Me. I can kind of, I can kind of what I, I kind of get what you're saying. Like we're not talking just people just plowing through people's yards, but, but just not everybody, not everybody can afford one of those nice vehicles. Well, okay. that's because right now the cars, 
the cars are built for the roads. That's a good point. Right. <laughs> if there wasn't roads, cars would be built for just for game for trails, essentially. For humans' right. game trails. They'd be padded down. You know, they could be muddy some days. But then again, <laughs> it's nice to be able to just get out of your car on concrete. It would be. I bet you it's nice to get out of your quadcopter, too. Just fly around <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Another thing I was going to ask you about, Eric, you had also mentioned earlier, uh, you're, you're talking about how we, we it, in this weird way on social media, we we communicate in memes. And I know Corey's familiar with that. So am I. Like, we've, we've seen it. It's been going on since yeah. like 2010 or whenever the first meme was created. But memes started as kind of like this satirical thing. And I feel like to our generation, I don't know how old you are, Eric, but uh, uh, Corey and I'm I are- pretty old. Corey, I'm 39. <laughs> Okay, so you're like borderline millennial Gen X kind of, kind of, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Okay, so Corey and I are both in our early 30s. I don't even know if you're 30 yet, Corey, but uh, I'm 32. Oh, I didn't even know. So am I. <laughs> but I feel like I'm. We don't know anything about each other. Uh, so, so Corey and I are kind of like, I guess I would consider us like middle of the pack millennials, right? Closer to the older side of millennials, and our generation tends to understand that memes are supposed to be satirical and funny. But then, like, the boomers got on Facebook, oh, God, and they, yes. like, they don't understand that memes are jokes, and <laughs> they just, they use them as news. It's so, it's the weirdest thing. Yes. It's a fact, because I saw it in a meme. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> People argue with memes. It's the greatest. That's the answer. Just get the boomers off of Facebook, and we'll fix everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, parent, like, everyone talked about putting age restriction stuff for their kids on TV, when it's really, we should be putting it for our parents. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, was it? yeah like i saw another one a meme actually you guys i saw this meme <laughs> that said uh things like the social media and fox news is doing to our parents what they said video games are going to do to us <laughs> like, <laughs> very fair but then again oh then again the guardian and cnn are doing the same thing to gen z right now so it's it's not it's, yep. well maybe maybe this is just the evolution of communication and in, in the future it's instead of watching television programs with everything well thought out and choreographed it's just going to be a bunch of memes flicking you know just flipping flipping through memes and that's going to yeah. be uh, <laughs> what we're going to do here oh god idiocracy's I mean, coming there's a uh, there's colleges that have uh classes about just interpreting their social media stream i forget what it was called or whatever but like people take classes on just scrolling through their social media because there's drama there's action you know there's love there's sadness you know you'll see someone post about someone dying then someone had a baby someone's on a vacation something's funny something makes you angry there's a fight you know it's literally everything you want just at your fingertips it really is like a Truman show for each of us now for mm -hmm. social media. Like imagine if you were able to actually package it all up and then sell it as entertainment, the best highlights of Corey's uh, Facebook page, Facebook, and put it all me those. Right. <laughs> and, but no, I'm like, I'm saying like, like somebody, let's say from China wants to sit and say, you know, let's, let's look oh. at these, these individual lives. This, this is what they have Let's see what they can, they can relate to what they find humorous or whatnot or whatnot. You know, it could get way more intensive than it is now because we're just, we're just uh, getting our hands uh, on some good data storage. So, I mean, like the amount of data that's being, thrown around on the internet just constantly keeps increasing and in the future who knows how many cameras are going to be in our houses with with people okay with them being recorded because hey you know they're either making money they might be making some dogecoin um right. because because they're funny in their own household with their friends and family because some 
audience in China is watching them and they they think that they're they're entertainment. Yeah, you just, yeah, that's the thing. That's well, it's that's becoming more and more of a commonplace. Uh, what is it called? It's a a uh, internet influencer, social media influencer. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People I've, are marketing themselves as just human beings, I, and that's yeah. that's I, I, that's what I find interesting, Eric. I'm glad you brought that up because it actually kind of speaks to one of the reasons why I think that this social and digital civil war that we're going through, or perceived perceived to be going through, is why I think it's. My personal belief is that it's kind of phony because I think one of one of the reasons we're going through this right now is we're still trying to navigate this tech, man. Like this tech is all so like it, it was just thrust upon us. I mean, even I think Corey and I could speak to this best. I mean, I think Corey and I are the last generation to remember what it's like to be a kid without a cell phone. I think we're the last <laughs> ones like to have to like walk down the street and knock on a friend's door to see if they can come out and play that day having to memorize friends phone numbers oh yeah oh, that was a goodness. nightmare <laughs> yep but i just hard to remind my own right but i, I think i think that that's that that's part of what this is we got like four different generations trying to navigate this tech all at the same time and try and use it all in in or try to define how it's supposed to be used and I really think it's a lot of, of miscommunication because when you think about polarization in media, whether you're talking about TV, social media, or, or you know, print, it's been around for a hundred years, guys. Like this has happened forever. Like newspapers, as soon as new, newspapers went national, there was a conservative paper and there was a liberal paper. Like this has you always happened. And what's really funny about that, actually, is uh, if you go and you, like, read about some of the stuff, like when Hamilton and Jefferson, or when Adams and Jefferson would, like, talk shit about each other in the newspaper, <laughs> it was, it's pure Twitter gold. I'm telling you, like, these guys would be just, I, I can't even think of, like, what they'd be saying, because, you know, it was like, uh, I've only heard snippets and stuff like that, uh, but, uh, like, they would just talk mad shit about each other like this guy i forget like lily you know i can't think of the lingo of what they would use but yeah they would literally be calling each other fucking idiots all day long well, i i have a theory why this is this way why it's so divisive i mean obviously like you said hate ink i should re reference i've never seen it yet so or read it so um yeah i'll actually send know, you a link to it my, after my theory is that it's all to keep us distracted from the one fact that like for example let's take the average person in iran and let's take the average american and i'm willing to bet that the average american and the average person in iran have more in common than either they do with their leaderships with mm -hmm. the iranian leadership or with the american leadership i i think that i have more in common with a conservative and a liberal than i do with any of the the current politicians out there i mean any of the rich moguls out there that, that control all these things so those if we don't hate each other for all these other reasons and we and we and we focus on what we have in common we can overtake these these this bondage that we're all in in the sense where um you you have runaway cronyism and you have the this 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 i guess you could say the sucking sound in america that we're all losing quite a bit of our time our wealth and, and our resources to people that don't necessarily deserve it. And, it, and so, yeah, I've thought about that a lot, Corey, and then I'll, I'll let you go. Sorry if I cut you off there. Uh, um, Cause I've thought about that a lot, you know, with, with 
the media and and I don't think Hate Inc. really goes a whole lot into this portion of of the theory I'm about to give you. This is not a hot take. I know there's other people that think this as well, but you know, if 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 we're at each other's throats, right? We're not at we're not at the government's throat. And what's silly about our constitution and, and our particular democracy is that like it just shouldn't need to be that way. Because I mean, we all we've all read the the, the, the at least the start of the Constitution. I hope <laughs> you know by the people for the people, right? So it's it it shouldn't need to be that way. So you, what I think we all need to do is kind of go back and like fi- like figure out collectively like why why are we here? How how is the greatest democracy that's ever existed, the oldest democracy on planet Earth right now? How has that gotten to this point? But we're memes. too distracted. <laughs> memes, yeah, we're too distracted. Memes. I'm yeah, not no, going to figure I it liked, out. I'm not smart enough for I really, that. I really like how you brought up, uh, um, how it like it, or it ties into what you're saying. How uh, you have more in common with like liberals and like people like that than you do like the I guess we, let's call them the elites. You know, everyone knows right. that yeah. that word. You know, and so I like how you brought up how you have more in common with people, whether whatever their political ideologies are. Because and it just it kind of like helps us solidify the idea that this is all a facade. The whole yeah. thing on the social media is it's just everyone I like you said, everyone's trying to navigate it and kind of figure it out. And I think we're seeing and we talked about this with the doctor actually about mental health. Um and I'll get your take on that in a second, actually. So we I think we're seeing everyone just fastly figure out how what to do with this new shiny toy. Because everyone has a soapbox to scream on. And so I think everyone is going through a mental readjustment of having to take in everyone else's opinions and everyone else's ideas all at the same time and deal with it while they're trying to deal with their own. And it's creating a bunch of uneasiness to where the people are just angry acting like, I can't believe you think that way. One thing that I can say from experience in the beginning when the internet was just you know, starting to boom um, and we were all having our 4chan channels and we were all able to, to talk to each other, you know, via chat channels and whatnot. There was a that layer of anonymity that gave a lot of people courage. And so that, that wouldn't necessarily be there. So people could really like go kill yourself and like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get banned for it. You wouldn't have the FBI show up at your house because you said it. And, you know, nowadays with the way that people are like, Anything that gets said that that it can be goes to the red flag laws. I mean, anything that gets said can be construed as some type of violence to to some perspective, and like that's gone now with the internet. You don't feel safe to communicate, or I guess you could say shit posts or troll or anything like that anymore. And and so now, like you said, we have all this new technology. We gotta we gotta like you know we're we're in the city center. And hey, now this is what we're broadcasting. Hey, this is my Facebook. And hey, I yep. support this dude, or I support this. This girl. is me now, right? And yep. and we're almost like we're avatars of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like how you bring up the thing where we're talking about how in the beginning, because I think us three have all seen that in real time when you could just say whatever the fuck you wanted, <laughs> you know. And now it's uh, it's getting to like. Uh, like after the January 6th uh, attack or whatever, um, I'm not going to say whatever, but the January 6th attack when people stormed the Capitol. Um, Don't worry, we I'll saw edit a bunch that of, out like, for you. <laughs> the, the sense, we saw the censorship. We saw the, uh, we saw all of a sudden people just getting banned and things like Donald Trump being banned. It's a slippery slope. 
and you know like people always reference things in 1984 and things like that and uh it's sometimes it's just like when you read the book 1984 i just read it a couple of years ago you see a lot of parables and we talked to me and dan in our la- in the first episode we talked about uh like like my, i wrote down like the good the bad the ugly of uh, social media and one of my things for the ugly was the censorship because we need to be able to express ideas and share them and how do we navigate because this is something new to where we go to mix of 4chan to facebook to where when i quote 1984 because i shit you not this happened to me i quoted 1984 and i wrote the best idea or the best thing to do is just kill yourself before they got to you i forget yeah something about yeah it was uh it was always that night when they came for you the best idea was to kill yourself before they got to you and i was quoting 1984 about the government like <laughs> doing something right it was and i was just quoting it and in irony i got flagged by facebook and my my comment got removed and i was like well that's orwellian as fuck like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> right off so, the rip and so, we laugh now but ooh, right, how much longer it's gonna be funny that's it's only gonna get worse wait till facebook can send well facebook can already send the police to you but wait till they can send the police to you for you talking bad about zuckerberg or something right like, yeah know, it's, like, it's a slippery slope it goes both right. ways well, too. and here's here's the thing here's the issue with you using the word slippery slope Corey. that is a word now that has got it's a loaded word now like it's one of those it words is. when you use it people go oh he's crazy I don't know what right. the hell he's talking about, but it's like there's it's still a real thing. <laughs> like yeah, it's, that's the that's the libertarian. I mean, like censorship is wrong, is wrong, is wrong, is wrong. There's no such like like people like hate speech is like kind of like a th- a thought crime in a sense to where it's like or like maybe like a victimless crime. Like obviously, like hate speech is there's victims of hate speech because people feel yeah. Bad. Sorry, yes, no hate speech but, is victimless hate, uh, but. Victim. But at the same time, is how can you how can you legalize or create policy about making somebody like everybody or at least even tolerate? Like if a person hates, let's say a person hates Asian people and does everything that they can to avoid the Asian people, as long as they're not going out there and and imposing upon other Asian people's liberties, you know they they should have the right to go and do those things, you know. But at the same, you know, it's it's so that's the line right there, liberties. Yeah. Right. My liberties can't supersede your liberties. Right. As long as I guess I get the right to swing my fist as much as I want up into the point, like I get right to your nose or your body. Mm-hmm. But now I guess there's this bubble area. So like if yep. I get close to this bubble area, now I could be, you know, assaulting you. Are you but, I can sh- I can take a shit in my yard all I want, but I can't come over and take a shit in your yard. Right, <laughs> right. Like, without my per- without my permission. Without your permission. See, yeah. See, right. But everything so- everything that you guys just discussed doesn't that I mean that brings it right back around to the topic at hand, which is the fallacy of the social and digital civil war. Which is you guys are confused about like what's okay and what's not. And so is, so is everybody else out there. And we keep arguing about who's, who's got, who's got the better virtues, who's got the better values. You know, if you, if you, if you're, if you're pro-life, you're, you you hate women. If you're pro-choice, you, 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 wait, did I have that backwards? Yeah. Yeah, If you're pro-life, you hate women. If you're pro-choice, you're killing babies. Like it's, it's neither of those things. But but what if, what if you're pro the government shouldn't be involved in it unless there's like fraud or there is like malpractice literally. 
I mean, the government yeah. shouldn't be involved in it. If there's a person out there, I mean, I, I personally don't think people should be killing off their offspring. I think that's terrible because I think it, I think more Americans, the better. As long as we have you know a good education system and we don't have what's going on now, like, yeah, who knows? Maybe I go pro-choice in ten years from now, but we'll see. <laughs> but, but, what I'm saying though is like you know it should be between a woman and her doctor. Why is the government got to be so involved? Why 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 do people have the right to vote for what I do to my to what what I do to my offspring or what a woman does to her offspring? You know, like it, it comes to now if they're starving and they're living and and you know they they have a birth certificate or they have a name and you know and and that you see the suffering happen, then yeah, let's get the government involved. Hey, let's go save this child. Let's go let's go help them. But you know when when it's part of a person's body, it's that's your body and a collection of cells can still be a baby but it's still part of your body and it, the government shouldn't be involved just, just <laughs> because yeah. and you can have your opinion on that like if you're the type of person that thinks i just you know or, you know if, if my girlfriend had an abortion you could say you just murdered that baby and you have the right to say that but right. i still have but she still has the right to go out and do that thing and, and and by the way if we're making abortions illegal why the hell aren't vasectomies illegal at the same time isn't that human life too well, well, then let's. What about people masturbating? Let's say, oh, yeah, it's illegal. All, the the porn the porn industry would just collapse overnight. No, wait, that would hurt the economy. Second. No, it, no. What would happen is all the people who stored all the porn on their databases would become billionaires overnight because the black market will form. <laughs> right. <That's gonna> <laughs> yep. And then full then circle, AT- baby. Full. There'd circle. be a whole new uh, branch of the ATF coming in. <laughs> Dude, that's, ATFP. That's, that's, uh, yeah, ATFP. Yeah. It's that's that's something that's that cracks me up too when we want to talk about like a libertarian topic, right? Uh, prostitution. Prostitution's illegal. We're talking about body autonomy, but you throw a camera in front of them and it's legal. What well, kind of old- fucking loophole is that? <laughs> it's the oldest profession known to man. It's like right? why, how how can you make it illegal? I mean, right. the, it's. I don't know. It's just depressing. I think in the next 10 years, there's just going to be more laws and more things that are illegal. And like, ah, there's a meme. It is. There's a meme meme for that. There's a meme for that. There's a meme I saw the other day. And it was like, uh, the mask laws, look at you silly sheep obeying your mask laws. And then the same people, the same conservative side, if you don't break the law, you have nothing to worry about. Yep. Trust the government. You know, blue lives <laughs> matter. Meme, the meme of the guy in the blue lives matter shirt at the at, uh, at the cross. Well, he should have just obeyed the law. <laughs> he should have just obeyed the law. <laughs> it's so, it's like it's there's so much cognitive dissonance out there. It's like almost it's comical. Like that's why I, I, I talk know. about I talk about the word. I've discussed this with Corey multiple times. The word hypocrisy is it's a completely meaningless word now. Everybody's a hypocrite. Every single human being on planet Earth, especially in the United States, is a hypocrite in one way or another. The three of us included. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, right. There's it's some true. way. You can't help it. Yeah, it's impossible. Corey, I don't know if you had anything else. We're hit. We're at like right, right about the 45 minute mark. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I think this went great. That was an excellent conversation, Eric. We really appreciate you joining us. Th- th- this, we this will is our definitely be having you on here. I'm sure more than once for your commentary oh, yeah. on different topics. Oh well, thank you. It was a pleasure. Yeah, this is a good time. Yeah, the, uh, the 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 everyman discussion. I think we need to have that once in a while. We're still building this show, so we appreciate you uh, uh, coming on and help us do that, Eric. Oh, anytime. Just uh, let me know. All right, Eric Slomkovsky <laughs> joining us on Libservative. We th- thanks a lot, Eric. We will uh, we'll definitely be in touch. I also want to add how he just nailed it with the word anim- anonymity and you can't and- say anonymity. that word. 
I can't say the word for shit. <laughs> Anonymity. Okay, there we go. I said it that time. Just, I've been practicing. She needs to finish with that. All right. It's going to be a running joke. All right. Have a good one, Eric. Thanks, man. Yeah, you too. Thanks again for listening to Libservative. Be sure to shoot us an email at libservativepod at gmail.com with anything that you want to hear. Uh, give us your opinions on the episodes that you've heard so far. Again, we're trying to build a community here. So anything that you want to say to us, we will read it. It may make the air. Hopefully it will. Uh, again, that's libservativepod at gmail.com. Yes. And then uh, if you want to just check out our Instagram, uh, it's uh, libservative. It's at libservativepod. And then our Twitter handle is at libservative. You can also find us on Facebook at just libservative. And uh, reach out. Um, let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you think. And uh, tell one friend. Uh, tell a friend that you think would be interested in these same conversations. I don't expect you to make a Facebook page and share everything, but if you just tell one friend who would actually legitimately be interested and gain something from this conversation, then that's what we ask. And you just heard uh, Eric Slomkovsky on this episode, and the reason he was on our show was because he and Corey engaged in some discourse on social media. There's no reason that you can't be the same if you've got something to say, if you uh, would like to discuss with us your personal opinions on what's going on anywhere uh, in our social discourse. It doesn't just have to be about this season. We're going to have other seasons on other topics, and we want to hear your opinions and hear what it is that you'd like to hear from us. So until next time, for Corey Walsh, I've been Dan Griffin, and thank you again for listening to Libservative. <laughs>